Hey friends, you're listening to Go Home Baba, You're Drunk, an irreverent media podcast. First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change, it's a podcast about seeking moral high ground, and it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast, and if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know. Welcome to Go Home Bible, You're Drunk, the podcast where we dust off our Bibles and see what's there. Uh, My name is Justin Gentry. I'm going to be one of your co-hosts today. I'm a ministry dropout, uh, seminary graduate, ministry dropout, and all around Antifa liberal. (laughs) Yay! Hi, I'm Tori Williams Douglas. I'm a Bible college dropout. And uh, former evangelical, if you are interested in any updates on all of the burning and looting that Antifa is doing in Portland, you can follow me. Apparently, according to, you know, Fox News and the New York Times, like the entire city of Portland burned down last summer. Yeah. Like, which is I, exciting. Like on the video right now, I'm seeing it's just Tori and a blackened crater. Because yeah, the, there's the some por- smoke. It's so, you know, if I cough a lot this episode, it's just because, yeah. you know, there's nothing left here. And only she has internet access, so it's yeah, is a good thing. Yeah, that's true. Well, I stole it from my neighbor, so. Yeah, because everybody steals from everybody in communist Portland. Communist Portland, this was so funny. I like, yeah, no, the, the people, I mostly right wingers, I think for a long time, call refer like referred to Portland as the People's Republic of Portland. Yeah. But they were so kind of like insular about it that that like liberals didn't know that this was what they were calling it. And then when they found out, they're like, oh, we kind of like that. Mm-hmm. So interesting news today in the evangelical world <clears throat> that I think we should talk about for the first yes, time, indeed. maybe ever in American history, or at least I should say white European American history, uh, church attendance mm-hmm. has fallen below 50% of the population. So more than half of us do not regularly go to church. Which is wild. Yeah, it's wild. Is this is this good news or is this bad news, Tori? Well, you know, I'm gonna go with um, actions have consequences on this one. And yeah, uh, yeah personal responsibility, maybe, churches. Yeah. You wanna yeah. look it up? <laughs> look it up. Look it up. Um, and so what I find really interesting about this is that um, evangelicals, I feel like specifically, just have it in their heads that they can tell us why we left. You know, I left the church because of racism. No, you left the church because you wanted to sin. Like, okay, um, thanks, I guess. Like, you literally don't know me, but 
you get yeah. to decide why I left. Cool. Yeah. Um, and so it's kind of like this refusal to refusal to even acknowledge like people's experiences. Yeah. Which, you know, it's me. I'm gonna tie that right back to white supremacy. Like we get to dictate reality to you. Yeah. Or you couldn't hack it as a like your theology as a real wasn't, wasn't as a real Christian. Yeah. You you left for the world or you just wanted to be like I, I was told when I so I was LGBTQ affirming and quiet about it in the sense that I didn't preach about it openly because my denomination was definitely not affirming but when mm-hmm. I was asked I was honest with people mm-hmm. and they're like well you just you know you just want to be liked basically you want to be liked by the world because that's what the world, you know, world, it's W-U-R-L-D when they say it, world, uh, or you want to be respectable or, or, or I don't even know. It was, and I, and I remember saying, no, like evangelicalism at this point was my life. Like yeah. I, to leave I would, my income, my life, my, you know, financial security. So for me to leave is it's not, I'm not like, getting all these friends all of a sudden and being like seen as this great worldly figure. Like I, no mm-hmm. one, no one, you know, no one cared. So it's just this weird, like, yeah, they have it in their head that this is why people leave. And none of those reasons are actually true mm-hmm. necessarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're completely oblivious. I would sit in these church meetings, almost every church I ever attended, there would be at least one meeting where they would say either numbers are down or we need to try to get more people to come to the church. Even if numbers weren't down, we just, we need to reach out to the community. And usually it was, you know, let's put out a flyer. Let's do an email blast. Let's, you know, whatever, like let's, you know, knock on doors or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. and every one of these, I would ask like, well, why would someone come here? Like, let's figure that out. Why? Yeah. Would- Such a good question. And blank stares every time like well it's almost like well why wouldn't someone come here what we have is so amazing and great and wonderful you know it's these people that are idiots that don't you know they just don't know how great it is here and so if we just let them know how great it is and it's like no like why would someone come here you know they (laughs) my first church i was the only person in my age group there and at the time it was like between the ages of 20 and 25 or even 20 and 30 almost i was the only one that went Wow. And they're like, why, why don't more people your age come here? And I were telling you, it's like, if I wasn't paid, I wouldn't come here either. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. Um, they didn't like that. I didn't last. Well, actually I was there for like two and a half years, but there is a, just a disconnect in the ability to recognize that maybe our actions have driven people away. Yes. And just an inability to hear us because they ask, why Mm -hmm. did you leave? And we tell them and they tell us that that's not it. Right. That's like, we don't give them the answer they want to hear. So they make, they manufacture an answer that like fits their narrative, I guess. Yeah. While telling um, us that we're manufacturing reality, a belief system system to fit our narrative. Like it's, it's this weird projection of you know you're just you're just you know you're living by the liberal narrative or whatever you know churches Mm -hmm. are great I'm like no they're not like they're not they're not sorry sorry Karen 
Yeah, because I tried when I left the ministry. I tried several times to go to church, even churches that you know. And and my criteria was even like I want to go to a you know progressive church in the sense that you know they're LGBTQ affirming. Yeah, it's not on the website. I don't. I don't want. I don't want to go. Or mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. basics. You know, mm-hmm. stuff that's like this will this will align with my theology or whatever. And right. evangelicals hearing that will be like, well, you just need to align with the word, you know, like, trust me, I know you people fish for website websites for doctrinal statements. I know you do it. So I did mm-hmm. it too. Mm-hmm. And even then, I just remember going and being like, I just like the one place that we went that I actually liked it, but it was still like, I like it for other people. Like, I like this for other oh, people. Like, interesting. Okay. you know, like this is great for someone else. This this isn't great for me. Um, mm-hmm. I'm glad this place exists, but I, I just can't do it. And I think, uh, I think yeah. that's the experience of a lot of people. It's just you, you experience enough trauma or enough hypocrisy or even just enough of the bullshit. And it's like, even like, it just, I, I can't go anymore. And right. yeah, so it's, it's, it's a strange thing. And I, I don't know if it's a good thing that people don't go to church because I do have questions about like, what is the overarching ethical yeah. narrative of our society? So it's, I, don't, I don't celebrate it. I'm not like gleefully like, yeah, no more churches, uh, but no more evangelical churches for sure. The, yeah, let's, you know, let's just, do it. Just, you know, I will, I will bring the Molotov cocktails. <laughs> oh, no. Like, so much trouble for this episode i could tell yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're gonna get canceled yeah we're gonna get by canceled. the people who were constantly crying about cancel culture yeah the the kings of boycotting and canceling which would be conservatives are going to cancel us and then complain about yeah. cancel culture whatever i don't care uh so yeah I, th- I think it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next five ten years as this societal shift continues because it's not going away like when I entered ministry in like 2004, mm-hmm. you know, peer research was saying church attendance is declining. Church attendance is declining. And so it's, it's been declining for 20 years and it's not going to stop. It will not, it's not going to stop. But you're not going to get a coffee machine or put out a flyer or update the sanctuary enough to get people back especially when you have unaffirming theology and you're so in bed with conservatism that you don't care about the single mother having the baby. You just care that she has the baby. You're, you aren't going to get people back by rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. The impact that Christianity um, in all of its different forms and flavors and genders yeah. <laughs> uh, has existed in the U S um, yeah, it's like it's had a disproportionate impact right mm-hmm. um and i think a lot of it has honestly been really bad you know i when i read american history frequently i am like okay where is the church what is the church doing everybody's mm-hmm. going to church everybody's worried about going to hell but like where are they and it's like oh yeah we're shooting indians mm-hmm. yeah we're advocating for slavery yeah. It's like we're making sure that black people can't buy homes in our neighborhood. Yeah, because we have to protect the 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 white race. Property property values, yeah. property values. And I just 
for one, I find that completely staggering still. It's like every single day I think about this, I'm just like, what the fuck is happening, you guys? Yeah. But also, I, I don't know, like, what I feel like the net effect of Christianity in, in, in the U.S., right? And before the U.S. in the colonies was negative. Yeah, personally. I would agree. I would agree. Like, it was in terms of, in terms of morality, in terms of ethics, in terms of seeing other people as fully human, like, I think that it was a bad thing. And I think we're still dealing with the consequences of that because they're still denying that part. It's like, that's why they don't listen to us now. They're still yeah. denying that the other thing was actually a bad thing. It's like, no, slavery was, slavery was, slavery was a blessing because then all these people came to know Christ. Like, no, yeah. no, because if, if the God that you serve is indifferent to the suffering of human beings, then you serve a monster and I'm not interested in that. So no, goodbye. Yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not interested in the, the God that sits by idly and, or commands the slaughter mm-hmm. of indigenous peoples, not just in the yeah. United States, like across right. the world, the British yes. empire exported colonialism and murder and genocide, but not just the British, but like all of, all of Europe, France, Spain, Portugal, the Dutch, the Dutch. The Dutch. Um, oh, fuck the Dutch. You know, like, you know, and it's hilarious. To, it's hilarious to me that Europeans are like, "Oh man, you know, America is so racist." Like, so you, huh. y'all, like, like, we learned it from you. Like, we we learned it from you. Like, it's it's. Yeah, we took we took what you were doing and we perfected it. Yeah, like we we are a natural outcropping of you know. Yeah, colonialism. absolutely. You know, so it's not. Uh, yeah, a, no, we're we're literally, yeah, we're colonization on fucking steroids, yes. right? And colonization didn't need steroids <laughs> to no. begin with. Like they were very good at genocide way before the U.S. was anybody yeah. on anybody's mind. <laughs> yeah, you asked the question like, where was the church and or where was you know the Christian faith? And I'm yeah. I'm beginning to the way I way it helps me in my head is thinking that the real religion of the United States is not actually Christianity. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm not saying, I'm not gonna do the like, they're not true Christians thing. Right, that's not the thing. But it's what they actually worship functionally. What functionally, they worship it is white nationalism, white identity, and Jesus is the mascot. Like Jesus mm-hmm. is the, like, the pull out that kind of makes what we believe legitimate Mm-hmm. But when you really dig down to, especially like the Southern Baptist Convention and all these, you know, very large evangelical organizations, when you really dig down to what do we believe, what is it that we prioritize, there's like some Jesus dressing at the top, and then it's all conservative, political, you know, white supremacy, you know, stuff. Yeah, capitalism. Capitalism. Right. Like yeah. it, it is, you know, Jesus is the mascot that America uses to legitimize its system and 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 that's why i think there is there's so much uh pushback and so much uh so much i think fear because we're not just like the religion isn't just dying it's not just like one religion is leaving and one religion is being born it's that it's that when when this religion loses its prominence america will be fundamentally different than what people have thought it would be our country so it's not just our country it's also our religion it's it's the way we structure our families it's it's all of that and that's mm-hmm. because they put all of that in that basket yes 
And when I say they, I don't think someone made a conscious choice, but like they put right. all of so society was, into this basket and now that that basket doesn't hold out yeah that's that i mean that's what shook out essentially right yeah. like it wasn't it wasn't like there was some grand conspiracy no it was more how do we how do we protect and defend this lifestyle that we want to have that is like if if not engaging in like blatant open enslavement of you know black indigenous like african people and indigenous people um which is always something that i learned about like last week it's like oh cool they were put they there were there were native slaves too awesome um yeah. yeah but yeah it just be kind of became they used it as like the narrative right mm-hmm. um because it worked because yeah. it was an argument that they that that worked for a time and i have to say like i think that um I think they're really afraid of losing that. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I mean, just this idea of—I mean, there's there's so many layers here, right? There's just we could we could spend the whole episode on that, honestly. Yeah. But yeah, that's yeah. those are my brief thoughts. Yeah, it's a short I, version of the story. Yeah, and it's it, yeah, it is fascinating, and I think we will dig into it further. And it's just that's what's in the news right now, and. I think yeah. I think it'll be like once we get to our story, I think that also plays in because the Jesus that we're going to be talking about today does not feature prominently in evangelicalism for some very specific reasons. And I think that'll be, yeah, I'm interested to see where it goes. So t- today we're going to talk a little bit about Jesus. We're going to transition a little bit away from that Old Testament and into the New Testament because the New Testament is weird too. And the New Testament deserves its own drinking Real game. Weird. Yeah, it's real weird. For today, we're going to have a little drinking game. If you're 21 and older, you know, you can take a drink. If you're not, drink some water or whatever. That's fine. Uh, do a push-up, do a burpee. Do a push-up, burpee, whatever. Enjoy yourself and, and listen for these things. Because every time you hear about Jesus destroying property, you know, private property, we want you to take a drink. Snort. Yeah. No, don't snort anything. Don't, that, don't, don't, don't snort no, anything. No. Don't snort anything. You know, nope. Snort. You Sorry. can snort. Laugh. You can snort. You laugh. Can, I do every yeah. day. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. So this is like that's you know we yeah. both heard this story right growing yeah. up and it's oh, sure. in it's in all four of the gospels which is really interesting because there are not very many stories that are in all four of the gospels. Like, yeah. Even Jesus' birth is not in all four of the gospels. So um, yeah. There's a very it's like. I don't know. I feel like, I feel like that means something. Yeah. <laughs> at least, at least in the context that we were, we were given the scripture, right? Yeah. It's like, it's, this should mean something. If it's in every single, every single version of Jesus that was created by these texts. Does this um, thing. Does, does this thing. And maybe and more like, than once. And yes. And like, there is it's just, it's not like swept under the rug. Like people talk about it, but they use it to kind of, they talk around it, right? They yeah. talk around the ethics and the morality of like the statement. Yeah. Um, and it's like, it's so short. It's just like Jesus shows up in the temple one day and just starts throwing things mm-hmm. and like turning over tables and tossing people out, like physically removing people yes. from the temple. Yes. And um there's not like a super ton of context. Like in all of the gospels, it's like a couple verses, right? Where it's just like the cleansing of the temple. And then it's like four verses. 
Yeah. Right. It's like, okay, what? There's this Um, triumphant entry into Jerusalem where he's, you know, being treated as the king. And then... Except for I think John has it earlier. Yeah. Yeah. John has it like at the very beginning. Right. And there is some argument about um, whether or not there, there were two times, one early in Jesus' ministry and one later. Or if John is just playing fast and loose with the timeline as a right. like little vignette, because John's weird. The book John is weird. Just the it's structured book the book of John or the gospel it is weird. according to John is it's it's the it's the strange gospel. Uh, so, yeah. but I he do has, think he has a little he has a little like man crush. He does have Jesus. a man crush, which and is really precious. Honestly, it's like it is. Yeah, anyway. And and I think yeah. it's cute that two times in the resurrection narrative, John mentions that he's faster than Peter. Like, it's like, so by, by the way, Peter? By the way. He's not, he's not been running. He's not been running laps. He's not been Peter, Peter like started running before, but I caught John up. Passed and John yeah, passed him. I passed him. <laughs> like, it's so funny. I laughed him. I laughed him. So there's so much personality in these books. And it is, yeah, it is fascinating that Jesus clearing out the temple is in all four of them. And, and Jesus gets physically violent. Like I, I'm not, you know, what there can be debate whether he hurt a person. He certainly scared a lot of people and he made a whip and he turned over tables. Not good. So, you know, this is, Jesus is approaching Antifa levels. He's actually more violent than an Antifa member. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I mean, honestly, like forcibly removing people who were clearly authorized to be in the temple by, you know. By the the, authorities of the day. Yeah. Yes. So the religious and the state government let one of them to be there. They they probably had, they're probably permits of some kind. And- Yeah, you couldn't just show up. Yeah. And Start Jesus did, and, and I think it's in Luke, I can't remember if it's in Matthew and Mark, but it also says like that Jesus kept people from coming back in. Like yeah. he didn't just do it like one and done. He disrupted commerce for at least a day. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I, the, like, the modern day equivalent of holding up traffic. Uh-huh. Or, I mean, I guess he didn't take anything, so it wasn't really a bank robbery. No. But he he certainly he impacted people's finances for sure. Right. And and was yeah, again, like it doesn't seem like he physically harmed anyone in terms of like like you're gonna be you're gonna be like permanently disabled or anything like or, mm-hmm. or he didn't kill anybody, right? But I do think that it is interesting that he intentionally made life inconvenient. Yes. And I, you know. I don't know as as a portlander i have to say that like because these are these are making life intentionally inconvenient for people is a tactic that has been used you know it was used all the time during the civil rights movement mm-hmm. um right it was just like what can we do to not cause like actual damage what can we do to not actually hurt people but we're still going to make you feel it yeah. And like, I'm just yeah, I'm very fascinated. And, like, yeah. yeah, sit-ins and and the bus boycott and a lot yeah. of these very subversive and disruptive, but yeah. still technically peaceful. Like, yes. like yeah. Jesus until protests. The cops show up. Were, yeah, until the cops show up. Uh technically yeah, stopping traffic. Yeah, yeah, that stopping was, traffic like, for sure. That was the thing. 
right? The people people showed up in DC and just like parked their cars and left, mm-hmm. like as a form of protest. And I'm like, I I, I low key kind of love this. If you do that now, you're gonna get shot because yeah, DC police do not mess around. Yeah, uh, but, unless you're white, then they let you in. That's true. They you just, just have to knock. Yeah, just have to knock. Knock and the door will be open. Yes. So it, it is fascinating to me. And it shows a side of Jesus that is not is not normally seen. And I was doing a little bit of research today too. And people, for the most part, I think the, the peasants, like the, he, Jesus was not arrested because the people were totally about him doing this. And yeah, and it would have been, it would have been, it would have riled people up. Yeah. To the point where it would have been um, like kind of keeping the peace mm-hmm. would have been really difficult. And yeah. also considering the fact that this is, this is an occupied nation, yeah. right? Yeah. It's an occupied people. Um, so, and, and a little more rowdy than a lot of the other occupied peoples of the Roman empire. Yes. It, it seems a- like, it seems to me. It was a problem area, and it's also this is an it's a problem area, you know. And and this is the interesting thing too, like this, the story is religion and government really working together to mm-hmm. to shit on working class people because yeah. this was yeah. the time of the Passover, and so you had mm-hmm. to come and bring a sacrifice. Yep. And so people are coming, you know, Jewish people are coming from all over the Roman empire. They've got their money and uh-huh. the temple policy, quote unquote, was that you can't pay for a sacrifice with any money that has the symbol of a pagan God on it. Right. So, so they have to like, so now I have to exchange my money and then I got to buy this stuff in order to even to practice my religion. I'm getting taxed already on top of this. Then this money was used, it was put in the temple, the money that they made. I didn't know this until I was kind of refreshing going back through some like old textbooks. And there were, what they would do is they would use this money, the aristocracy who was in bed with Rome would use this money Mm -hmm. to give poor people exorbitant loans Mm -hmm. to like keep people in debt. And so it was like, so this money is being used for dirty purposes. One of the first things that the Jewish people did in their revolt against Rome in like 70 AD was they burnt the records of all this debt. Like they, I love that. They stormed the temple and they burnt the archives so that there would be no record of these debts. So it's like, there's like, there like subversion is in the air big time and Mm -hmm. jesus Mm -hmm. and jesus plays along with it yeah well it it makes sense i mean to me i think understanding jesus through the lens of like state sanctioned violence and oppression is really appropriate and also Mm -hmm. it's really really funny when evangelicals try to make sense of that because that's not how they view the world right it's not the lens through which they view the world and they like, at least in my experience, I'd love to hear just, you probably preached on this at some point. Um, I'd love to hear what, like what your thoughts are, but there was like, we were, again, we were kind of taught this and we were taught like, oh yeah. Okay. The Jews were, you know, the Jews were being occupied or the, the Jewish like homeland was being occupied by the Roman empire. And, you know, 
there was all of this political pushback and but it but it was never applied to like now yeah. right it was never like okay who are we occupying who are we oppressing um and they even acknowledged obviously like rome was the most powerful empire to have ever existed and they cannot for some reason they just can't make the transfer to okay so if you're in the u.s what does that make you right so i don't know it's 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 yeah. so it's just such a strange disconnect for me yeah growing up evangelical and especially growing up as a white evangelical you identify yourself it's it's weird i think it's because we like in america i think we're perpetually in the revolutionary war in the sense that we're the underdogs like we think of ourselves as like the scrappy underdogs as like mm -hmm, our mm -hmm. and so when we read the bible i think we see ourselves as we're we're the jewish people in this story because we would have you know we're not yes. just the, you know we you know we would have gotten it we, you know, we're the disciples where, and so, and the narrative of the story paints Rome as not necessarily the villains in their, like, like the banality of evil. They're like state evil. They're not like right. actively right. evil, but just the system. They're, they're the ones that governed the system that killed mm -hmm. Jesus. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it's it's strange and i remember as i was awakening to the reality that america and americans not just america but americans have much more in common with the romans mm -hmm. than we do the jewish people or any anyone um you know we're and yeah. or even even as a modern metaphor when you watch the hunger games every american redneck with a gun gonna fight the government thinks that they're from district 12 or whatever they're katniss mm -hmm. everdeen like no nah, mm -hmm. folks we're we're the capital mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. like that is what we are mm -hmm. yeah. uh so yeah that is in it, it's just it's a i think it's an american thing i think it's also an ego thing because no one wants to be told that they're bad so when <laughs> when you hear a story you identify with the good guy. Like, like most people don't until you're older have that critical understanding to be like, oh, in this story, I would actually be the villain. Or I would at least initially side with the villain. First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change. It's a podcast about seeking moral high ground. And it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast. And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know. And, and I remember preaching on, or preaching and teaching on, you know jesus clearing the temple but it it was mm -hmm. always uh like this weird story like what do we do with this mm -hmm. and, and it really came alive to me when the quote riots were happening in ferguson and in other places like and and black lives matter started coming up and then mm -hmm. and then i read this passage and then that's when it, that's when it starts clicking to me like this this oh. is Okay. This is a modern day thing. Now, I don't think there's a lot of evangelicals that would do that. Um, you know, they would say maybe Jesus protested in the right way 
but the, with with no clear definition of what right and wrong is just that you know right. that was then this is now yeah and it, it is it is fascinating how it, there it's in the text like it is in the text of the bible that jesus did this four times like obviously mm -hmm. it is important that jesus spit in the face of the religious authorities of the day and by extension yeah. the governing authorities of the day but we're just stuck on Paul, that one passage where he's like, obey the government, you know, and, and we just kind of just go along. And if that's because the government really serves us as, as a white evangelical, well, like, like the police, Paul's I always thought they were fine. I thought they were fine right. until really until like five years ago when I was like, oh, wait, <laughs> like what's yeah. happening here? What is happening here? Like you this just are not, waking up from a sleep. This is not equality under the law. No, not <laughs> at all. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, and I, you know what I think is so funny, right? Is like, Paul was a Roman citizen, mm -hmm. you know? And I think that like, he doesn't, he doesn't ever denounce it in any of the books that are attributed to him, no. which I, you know, he brags about it again in the books that are attributed to him, which who knows, but I do, you know, I think that that is really fascinating there. You know, his perspective compared to Jesus's perspective and like in terms of lived experience was pretty different I feel yeah. like you know like Paul was had access to education and and you know he had access to um like the government in ways that that colonized occupied people didn't necessarily have yeah. um and he clearly felt like this was a big deal. And so I, I do think that in terms of perspective, like Paul definitely has more invested in the empire than Jesus mm -hmm. did. For sure. Even though, I mean, ultimately he was executed by the empire. I think he's still is very much the order. Like, yeah, law and order. When you, yeah, the law, the law and order disciple. And it's interesting when I was in seminary, we studied the New Testament books in the order that we theorize that they were written written in yeah and that's actually was fascinating to me because you see you know the earlier books written or the earlier letter letters attributed to paul like galatians which is like there is no slave no free like right. all are in christ right. like very radical and then the further down the timeline you get the more it's like mm, maybe husbands should love their wives and wives be subservient to their husbands and slaves maybe you should still be with your masters like mm -hmm. like because i almost think it's almost a hedge against coming persecution like oh mm -hmm. like oh people are starting to take note that we're disrupting society maybe we ought to maybe ought to back this up a little well you know and something else that, that struck me last week i think just as i was randomly thinking about bible shit because that's what atheists do that like paul um really implored like after this after the earthquake he's arrested there's an earthquake miraculously all of the jail doors are open and paul tells everyone we need to stay here mm -hmm. which i think is really interesting because again like jesus takes the opposite kind of angle like i came to set the prisoners free mm -hmm. right and he doesn't like he's not like he equivocates on that yeah like, um, that is and, what that is his commitment and, and paul's almost like we don't want to get anybody in trouble this right. roman satyrian's just doing a job and you know mm -hmm. like yeah 
So it'd be interesting if you were to like, and I don't know, I don't like making these parallels because they're not so neat, but it would just be interesting in a concentration camp type situation. Like the doors are open. Well, guys, we need to stay. These, you know, right. these Nazi officers, they're just doing a job. Like they don't, you know, and so it's, it's a, or you yeah. could do, you know, or, or even in a situation in, in American slavery, you could like, yeah, like, oh, we're able to be free. Nope, stay. Uh, but some, and then some people and there, did that. Absolutely, some people did. And so it is, is that the tradition of Jesus though, given what we right. understand the, given what we understand of the person of Jesus? I, I mm -hmm. actually don't mm -hmm. think so. And Jesus does, you know, in the story of in the garden where Peter like whips out that sword and tries to chop that guy's ear off or right. succeeds, I guess, in chopping that guy's ear off and Jesus heals him. So there, there are peaceful and um, orderly parts in the message right. of Jesus. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that he was very strategic, right. In, yeah. in the way that he sort of leveraged because he knew what he was doing. I, you know, I think that it wasn't like, oh, Jesus is surprised that all of these people are following him. Jesus is surprised that there's like this big parade going on through Jerusalem because he showed up. Like, I think he was very strategic about his timing, right? Yeah. About the symbolism, because again, he, he knew when he was viewing it through this very kind of clear lens of a man living in a police state. Um, and and being targeted by the police mm -hmm. state yes right and and also the idea of you know no like still pay your taxes like yeah it sucks but he had like so it's really interesting just because there are all of these forms of resistance right mm -hmm. and so it's really kind of fascinating to me to see like what jesus felt was um helpful in, in that specific circumstance, right? Because it's not like something we can compare to now. No, yeah, it's, it's hard. In, it, in any meaningful way. It's hard to right? make comparisons, yeah. Right, exactly. But I am still very fascinated by this idea of people are like, okay, well, we shouldn't pay taxes to these guys because clearly they're a bunch of motherfuckers, right? And mm -hmm. and Jesus is like, no, like we're gonna, yeah. we're gonna pay our taxes. Now, whose face is on this? It's Caesar, Give this, give, it's his, give it to him. Who cares? And it's it, like, so anyway, I just, I think that that's really interesting in living in a place in a time. Yeah. In a body. Yeah. <laughs> Where this, this is a conversation that is being had. I was in a, this is the last small group Bible study I attended. Um, but there was, we were talking about the Sermon on the Mount and specifically like several of the passages. And one of the passages where Jesus says, if someone was to take your cloak give him your garment as well right yeah and you know i i brought up that you know what jesus is saying is he's actually telling people to strip naked like mm -hmm. if someone if some debt collector comes to take your coat right basically just say fine take everything fucking take it all yeah. because yeah. and because yeah. in that time nakedness wasn't the shameful thing it was viewing someone's right. nakedness that was shameful so it's like, like mm -hmm. expose the injustice yeah. and the... Yeah, you're holding you know, up a mirror to the injustice yeah. so, that so is occurring. Yeah. Do this subversive thing to show, and he's like preaching this to the crowd. Do this subversive thing to show right. how corrupt things are. It's not violent. It's not, you know, or when... Right. Or when a Roman soldier asks you to carry his backpack a mile, 
you know, carry it for two miles. And, you know, mm-hmm. Protestants turn that into the Protestant work ethic of going the right. extra mile. Like, no, a Roman centurion could get in trouble, like legal trouble for requiring a, a non-citizen of the empire to carry his stuff more than a mile. Like that was like, he could get like, oh, fine. I'll carry it more. Like he's like, no, please don't, don't, right. no. Like, right. and it, right. it exposes yeah. the moral bankruptcy of the system. And mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I remember bringing this up and they, this guy got mad at me. He's like, Jesus mm. was never subversive. He was always gentle. Like he was like, he just like, what? like, like, cause he was like, you're what? trying to make this political like he was just very, very angry. And I was like, this is the, this is the text. Like, this is not like, you know, this is like what Jesus is asking these people to do. And I, you know, I think that Jesus is a lot more of a revolutionary than certainly evangelicals will say, I think even just Christianity in general, you know, there's a, this idea. And I think it was after Constantine, once Christianity became in power, it's like, well, let's file these edges off. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah yeah I, I i definitely agree and i you know it's still very bizarre to me that again like within the framework within the lens of of white american evangelicalism right that jesus wasn't subversive that jesus wasn't political yeah i don't get it like i don't get that perspective at all and i you know Unless, unless your goal is to weaponize a religion against people who are oppressed, like I don't see, I don't see any point to this like thought experiment that they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, it's like how do you how do you make the argument that my life, like Black Lives Matter, is not political, right? Like Black people did not make ourselves political. The fucking Constitution made our lives political, right? So if you have a problem with this, we had no power over that. We wouldn't have done the whole three-fifths business if it was us. So if you have a problem with our bodies and our identity being politicized, like go take it up with the people in charge, you know? Like we did not choose to live in political bodies. (laughs) This This was what was given to us. And I think that the same thing had to have been true of, Israel being occupied of Jesus's experience, right? Mm-hmm. There is no non-political way to view this. Yeah, it's not like, yeah, it was an occupied empire of people that allowed their religion and the culture to, to exist, but definitely right. corrupted it. Like, you know, the reason there were Pharisees and Sadducees and Essenes and John the Baptist and all those is like, it is a religious reaction to occupation. The Sadducees yeah. were like, well, but, you know, let's make dollar bills while we can. The, right. Phari- the Pharisees are like, we have to become more pure. And there's a very good argument um, that Jesus was a Pharisee, or at least mm-hmm. so close to the Pharisees, he, they were ideologically linked. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then there were people that were like monks, these Essenes, and probably John the yeah. Baptist might have been one of them who yeah. were like, let's withdraw from society. Let's just, you know, and, and these are common human responses to oppression, yes. mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's, that's in the pages of scripture. Like, I, I, it's, I don't think it's emphasized in the pages of scripture, because I think it would have just been understood. 
just like a movie today about American slavery, like I don't need a giant montage of how awful it is. Pan right. into a we plantation, don't... black people right. working in a field. I know what's happening. I That's, know what's wrong. Yes. Like context. Yep. I understand that context. So when anyone un that would be under that would be in the first century or even the second century would read this book, they would understand that this is what's happening. So it's not emphasized, quote unquote, because it doesn't need to be. There are, there are lots of ways that people respond to oppression. There are lots of ways that people respond to living in bodies that have been politicized by people in power without, you know, any of our consent. Mm -hmm. And, you know, personally, I am a big fan of being subversive, like right up until the very end. Yeah. Um, but who am I to judge? right? Like people just do what they need, they feel they need to do to survive. Mm -hmm. And I don't get to dict that, dictate that to people. Like I don't get to dictate someone's nervous system response, right? Um, so yeah, anyway, that's, that's how I feel about it. Oh, that's very, that's good. And, and what frustrates me so much about, and for those that don't know, I am a white person. So I'm allowed to say like what frustrates the hell out of me about white people is this assumption that our perspective is the default one. Yeah. That, and that, you know, black people should learn from us. Like you have something to learn from us. Whereas yeah. what you have just been said in the last couple of minutes is never been preached in an evangelical church because, you know, because, yeah. because, because your perspective doesn't have the power. And it is so frustrating to me. And, it, and once I started reading, you know, black theologians and indigenous mm -hmm. scholars, like it became very apparent to me that I have been missing a perspective that I needed. Yeah. Like I understood the Bible more, like when I look at it through the lens of yes. a black person, like yeah. it makes more sense. It's it actually makes more sense. It's, it's better like as, as literature, mm -hmm. as theological document, as, as the quote word of God, it is better when it's understood because from the- it's a more, yeah, because it's a more accurate lens through which to view scripture. Because like, we know clearly the, the Jewish people were being overthrown and overtaken and put into captivity all the goddamn time, yes. right? This is not like a new experience for them. So yeah. in terms of like their lived experience, like, yeah, it was much closer to like an indigenous American's experience. It was much closer to a black person's experience than, than to the white experience in, in the US. Why we don't accept that, even, even just as a fact statement, even if you reject, like, I'm not gonna read black people's whatever, cause it's, but even just it's the inferior. fact that- Yeah, yeah, you can like- That's the I, argument. That's the I, argument that they make is that black theology is inferior. Yeah, black theology is, is biased you know, by their perspective, you know, that's the like- White it, theology isn't though. Exactly, yeah, that, that's what just blows my mind. And even like as a white person, it became very clear to me pretty early on that like, yeah, like I have biases. Like this this should not be a like- Is that a, is that a thing we're just debating? Yeah, it's- a, it, it, biases? For, a lot of, for a lot of white people, it is a revelation to realize that you <laughs> have biases and that your, your view of reality is, not the highest fidelity view of reality. Right. And that's unfortunate because I think there is a, I th honestly, I think if evangelicals would have listened to black people decades ago, 
we -hmm. would not see the church in the state it's in right now. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I completely agree. Now, would I still be in the church? I don't know about that. Who knows? But yeah, who Who can say? Because that reality is so different than the one we're living in right now. Like it's hard to even speculate. Um, It's almost to me as radical as saying like communism won in the 1960s and we're this communist utopia. Like it's almost like that radical of a change to me. Like right, yeah. The America and American church would be so different if in the 1960s white evangelical leaders said you know what dr king like you have something to teach us and mm-hmm. we just need to sit down for a decade or two and mm-hmm. and learn and that mm-hmm. i think that would be the most radical and i think powerful thing that we could have done we didn't do that obviously right but, um because we just are blind to that perspective. I'll just, I'll even say like, I, I have been blind to it and it's, it has taken more education, like self-education than it should for me to even become what I would call baseline conversant on the issues. Like even just like baseline, like, oh, racism exists. The, the police, the way people police black bodies and the way they police my body is different. Like, like that, yeah. that I, I, it's, it's embarrassing to admit, but it's, almost, it's more of a confession of the system, like that I was indoctrinated into. Yes. That it, well, that it, again, you weren't supposed to see it. I was never supposed to see it. And, and so like the amount of work it takes to do for what I would yeah. imagine a black person just takes for granted as like, this That's is true. reality. Yeah. You know, it, it, it is how things are it is a hard thing to do. And I think it's necessary work. It's, I'm not letting any white person off the hook for sure. <laughs> uh, Cause I think it's work that we need to do, but it, I also realize it takes a lot. It takes a lot of experiences to fall out of this colorblind sleep. Mm-hmm. And I think the way that we preach and teach passages like this is, is a symptom of that larger issue underneath that we just can't yeah. see Jesus as a brown person. We can't see Jesus as yeah. subversive. We can't see Jesus yeah. as, as against the Roman empire. They, they executed him publicly. That is the centerpiece of our text. And we can't mm-hmm. put together that he was killed by a state power, like capital punishment. And we even do crazy things like we need to keep capital punishment around because that's how Jesus saved the world. Like what, <laughs> what weird bullshit is that? Like we're just so full of bullshit. Um, like, uh, oh my gosh oh my gosh yeah and, i mean if, if like think about like think about though like seriously like sit down and think about like what did jesus do to be executed yeah. right in terms of causing harm who who was being harmed by what jesus was doing yeah and it wasn't physical harm right no. it wasn't property damage necessarily mm-hmm. but yeah. he was he was he was a threat to the institution he right? was a financial and political and religious threat. If you've read all of the gospels, like all the way through, like what did Jesus ever do? You're like, oh yeah, jail, execution, check. Like that, like he, he didn't do anything. And so I find it really interesting that, right? Like there's these, we still are doing this thing where cops just do roadside executions of American citizens and usually walk. And Jesus Jesus is the same thing. Jesus like just executed publicly on the side of the road. People were walking past, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And yeah, and there's it, no, there's no connection there no. whatsoever. No. Like I, 
I don't know if you watched the show American Gods at all. Mm-mm. And there was a, they added this in to the show. In the show, it's uh, basically it's about gods in America. Uh, duh. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But there I are, the there are like dozens, maybe even hundreds of Jesuses around, <laughs> which is fascinating, just that by itself. But there's a scene in the beginning of one of the episodes where there is a man who is one of the avatars of Jesus who is crossing the border into America with yeah. a bunch of you know, migrant workers or, or whatever. Yeah. And, yeah. and he's shot and killed by, you know, by border, not, not even border patrol, just some Texans that were wanted to kill immigrants or whatever. And I remember like seeing that and like, I just like stop and just kind of sit with that for a second. Like, because, you know, that is a, it's a show obviously, and it's a fantastical show, but I think that is a version of Jesus that I think actually rings rather true to the, yeah, uh-huh. to the story presented to us in the Bible. And yet is so alien and foreign to what I was ever introduced to. Mm-hmm. You know, he is either a milk toast hippie or a like warrior king gonna come beat up Satan. Like that's the kind of the two evangelical poles. Right. And, right. You know, which either means he's not a threat to the governing authorities at all, or he is the governing authority. There's never that like Right. Yeah obvious middle where I think he actually occupied which is where he was a threat to the governing authorities and but he was not in power right the entire thing like talking about whiteness and Americanism and evangelicalism and capitalism and like you put all of these together and you're you're not supposed to see it right like you are not supposed to even know that this is a view that you can have of scripture because theology by by black and indigenous people especially is just derided as the secondary right it's not it's just not as good like that's the jv stuff like don't worry about it we have we have what actually went down um and in in terms of like the application of scripture like you said trying to get trying to use scripture to be like the basis of of your personal individual morality um you know, you're, you're, you're not going to get the right messages, the right ideas, the right morals, the right ethics, if you are viewing it through the lens of we are the oppressed, when you live in the most powerful country in the world and benefit from systems of oppression that exist literally all over the planet. Yeah. Right? It's like our clothes, the gasoline in our cars right now, like our technology, all of this came from people's labor being exploited. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, and, and we benefit from all of that shit. I don't know what kind of access Jesus had to, you know, even food or shelter, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but either way, he's still advocating for these people who are functionally destitute. Yeah. Right? Like the poorest of the poor because of the systemic forces that were at work and like they were actively being punished by the Roman Empire because they weren't yeah. just like, you got to go along, get along, whatever. Like this is what we do, and they didn't want to do that, yeah. right? And so they were actively being antagonized. And again, I like, I would love to see, like, I would, like just imagine if the church actively cared for the 
poorest people mm-hmm. in our society, right? Yeah. Like, I don't know. I can't actually imagine that. Never mind. Yeah. 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 It's like the more I try to imagine the church being like Jesus, the more I'm like, more crazy it sounds. The more insane it sounds. Like I can't. Like and that's like, that's, like this is bananas. Yeah. Like and that's why I left the church. Honestly, like when I was first leaving the church and exiting, it was in a lot of ways because it's like this is the most inauthentic, not Jesus thing I can ever imagine. I, I, I can imagine. I, I yeah. can't give my labor to this anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, and so I like, I'm, I'm out. Like this yeah. is, this is not. Yeah. And, and I was always in the system trying to like fix the system or change it. And right. And it just, I realized at a certain point, like I, I can't change this. Like this system is not going to change. Certainly about me, <laughs> like on right. my own. And Christianity in America has become a parody of itself. You can't read the Bible with any amount of integrity and then look at the American church and what it is doing and even begin to understand how this book can be your central guiding document. And this is the way you behave. Yeah. Like it does not make any connection there at all. There's there's none. It's yeah. White Jesus is a real weird guy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's want to meet that guy in a dark alley. Yeah, he's really weird in American Gods. Like they, there is like there's like a white megachurch <laughs> Jesus, and it's that is so fucking weird. incredible. It is. Oh yeah. my gosh, I love it. Yeah, there's a party at Easter's house, who's a pagan goddess, right. and she invites like she invites yeah. and she invites all the Jesuses. <laughs> so it's like, oh. <laughs> and it's oh so such a delight, such a delight um so if you uh, are interested in hearing more of this you know please make sure you like and subscribe the pod to the podcast or, or yep. you can't like it give like, us a five-star review five-star review like it just give it a you know good old facebook thumbs up mm-hmm. and and also you can if you would like to you can support us on patreon at patreon.com slash go home bible help support the show cover costs and things like that you can follow us yeah. on the twitters and the instagrams at go home bible yep and you can follow us individually i'm yes at tori glass and i'm justin d gentry this is also an irreverent media podcast you can follow irreverent media at irreverent underscore fm i think on mm-hmm. yeah at irreverent or underscore yeah. fm on yeah. twitter because they don't do the dots yeah. Yes. So it's an underscore. And that, that is a podcast network. If you like what you hear here, you will love what you hear over there as well. Uh, it's a lot of amazing people that have come together. We'll have some of them on the show as well. So you can be introduced to them. Uh, but yeah, it's a fantastic network. We're super excited to be a part of it. And you'll hear more about that in the coming weeks. Yep. I, I think we did it. I think we did it. Have fun, kids. Stay subversive. <laughs> Feel like Jesus. Bye. Bye. First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. 
It's a podcast about change. It's a podcast about seeking moral high ground. And it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast. And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know.